Hello and welcome everybody to episode 6 of Memory Card Memoirs. I'm your host, Sterling Silver, and today I am joined by one of the coolest dudes in our industry, I think, and I've, I'm not going to lie, I've, I've bragged a little bit about you coming on the show. Uh, Tony, what's bonkin'? <laughs> Off to a great start. I love the what's bonkin'. But also, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you've misrepresented me because, like, to be honest, I'm kind of a dick. I don't know why I keep getting work. Are you? Yeah, man. You should you should see, like, the, the, the uh, list of people I've left in my wake with my horrible ways and horrible <laughs> writing abilities, so... You act like you're writing, like, speeches for Hitler, man. All you do is write, like, comedic articles. <laughs> but they're thinly veiled speeches for Hitler, if you read between the lines. <laughs> That's awful. Oh my goodness. Well, today... Oh my god, I got the worst cough. And the worst guest. God, this so. is gonna be the worst intro to edit. <laughs> <laughs> worst episode, worst intro, worst guest. It's all going, man. <laughs> It's all down here, d- downhill from here, people. <laughs> uh, today, I brought Tony to talk about uh, a very special game to me. It was my first ever video game that I ever played. We're talking about Gen 1 of Pokemon, so Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. I'm uh, so hyped. Well, let's just jump right into it. What has your history been with Pokemon? Was this your first? First of yeah. all, what's the, what's the age difference between you and I? Okay, so I am allegedly 33, I think. Oh my goodness, I am 24, so All right, I was so like a young kid when Pokemon like first came out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, one of the things I love is when Pokemon first came out, it was around the time for me where um, you would actually be getting your first Pokemon, like in-game. You know, you turn 10 and you get your, your trainer's license. Yeah. I got the first game when I was 10 years old, so I was prime, man. Did you have like that? Because you know, when I was a kid, it was that recess, like schoolyard experience of like, you know, my uncle worked at Nintendo and like I know all these secret Pokemon rumors and stuff. Like, did you still have that even though you're a bit older? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the internet mostly, like things like Pika Blue. I don't know if you remember Pika Blue back yeah, when it yeah, was yeah. <laughs> like you had to level up your Raichu to level 100, put it in the daycare, and they'd say, oh, your Raichu ran away, but we've got this Peekaboo for you. Now, first of all, if that was a real thing, I would be really shitty. I love Raichu. I don't want this damn <laughs> Peekaboo instead. But mm-hmm. um, it was it was, it was was wild, man, because... So I got into it a little bit later. Um, I first got it in 1998. So by then, it had been around for a little bit, I think. But it was just really kicking into the hype. And it was one of those things where I bought a Game Boy for Pokemon. I didn't have a Game Boy when I was growing up. It was the kind of thing where my whole friendship group was like, you got to get this game. It's like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. And it just, it, it was one of the biggest instances of just being immediately hooked on a game that I've ever experienced. When I got a little bit older, there was like this you don't like we you didn't bring pokemon to school anymore like you didn't talk about it at school because like the popular kids would start to make fun of you 
I'm guessing that didn't happen at your age then. Like, I'm guessing it was just such a cu- cultural phenomenon that everyone was playing it. Or was that kind of similar? Yeah, like, no one sort of talks shit about you if you like Pokemon. But Pokemon trading cards did get banned from my school because... Yep, kids me, were, too. me too. Kids were just getting, like, fleeced for their cards. <laughs> yeah. Do you... I feel like every Pokemon uh, fan has this story. Did you have the binder of cards... That you sold for woefully less money than you spent. <laughs> no, because I'm a hoarder. So I still have all my cards. Oh, man. And I think I've got, like, a card that is worth... If, if it's mint, it's worth, like, 2K. Mm-hmm. So... And you're just sitting on that? I'm, yeah, I'm just sitting on it. Because, for one thing, there's not really a lot of... Um, reputable grading services in australia so i would have to like send it overseas get it graded by one of the big three companies wait for like a year because they're getting slammed right now and it's just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna play with my shining mewtwo you know maybe i'll just like burn it (laughs) oh my god (laughs) don't even say that man you're making my poor like writer brain sweat (laughs) i don't even think about burning that kind of money (laughs) <laughs> we gotta we gotta eat right that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> might as well like i'd rather eat the card than watch you burn it <laughs> i'd pay uh, to watch that <laughs> that's next episode <laughs> right. um what about past that like did you stick with pokemon heavily did your relationship with it kind of fall in and out um like i stuck with it but it was one of those things, it was a little bit like um, World of Warcraft, where when everyone is playing it and everyone is hyped about it, it's mm. absolutely at its peak. And then everyone kind of tapers off, and I would still get all of the games, but it'd just be one of those things where I'm mostly just doing it for my own sense of completionism. Like, I still enjoy mm. the games, but I'm not getting that real visceral feeling of community and satisfaction anymore was it just because you were playing it by yourself or did you did your friends stick with it too i didn't have any friends by that point mostly but (laughs) (laughs) no all my all my all my my sort of friendship group had sort of given up on it by then so yeah were you a big nintendo kid growing up oh yeah oh yeah always pokemon was always like this big to me at least like it was a big social thing it was a like every time there was a new game it was this just culture of adventure and discovery even with gen 8 like not to get a little off track but when sword and shield came out i went over to my friends for a weekend obviously this was pre-covid and you could do that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but um and we got the new pokemon games and we just like had a ball with it it was like we both hadn't played uh the past few generations there was like just hundreds of new pokemon and it was the few times where it's like i feel like a kid again i was just gonna ask like if if those feelings like persisted as you got older of of adventure no it really lost that shine and luster like about the only thing that kind of kicked that feeling of discovery back into it was pokemon go actually there was truly the one time where it felt like there was world peace is when pokemon go came out Oh, man. <laughs> as long as you weren't one of those people walking into trees and, like, off of uh, <laughs> piers and shit. I remember still years later when I was in college, uh, I lived right beside a park. And there was always, like, at a specific day at a specific time, a bunch of people would gather. 
And I always wondered what was going on. Eventually, I just asked someone. I'm like, yo, why are you guys, like, why do you guys gather here? And they're like, oh, we're just playing Pokemon Go. And I was like, damn, it's been like three, four years since it released. And you guys are still gathering in these huge groups. Like, that's kind of awesome, to be honest. The twist is it was actually a front for a drug ring, but you know. Yeah, they were just laundering <laughs> money and shit. <laughs> Quote unquote Dratinis, yeah. <laughs> Yo, you got that horsey man. <laughs> Did even, you know, back when you were 10, were there things you didn't really like about the game? Because even now, I, I've gone back to it recently and it's like, there's some, there's some rough edges. Dude, that game, the, those games are fucking broken. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, no, at the time, like it was flawless in my eyes. I had, like, I was playing in the middle of the night, and I had like this little magnifying glass and light attachment because, of course, the Game <laughs> yeah, Boys yeah. weren't backlit. Yeah. And I was just like, I gotta catch Articuno tonight. I'm just mm -hmm. watching the battery indicator because back then the battery indicator was just like this light. And as it grew yeah. duller and duller, you knew it was getting flat, but you had no kind of perception of how much time you had left. Man, that's like, I feel like that'd make anyone nowadays like anxious. Oh, it, it was, it was terrifying. And it's like, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I would just be, I would just be saving every few minutes. But at the same time, I thought, oh, if I'm saving and the battery runs out, is that going to break the game? Am I going to lose my oh, Venusaur, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, because, uh, you know, every time you do save, it's like, do not turn off the Game Boy, you know? It, Don't turn so off all you save. It's so <laughs> prohibitive. <laughs> I don't Did need you, that kind of stress. Do you remember, like, the first time you got the game, like, where you were? Did you get it, like, at Christmas or something? It was around Christmas, but it wasn't a Christmas present. It was just one of those things where... So basically, I, I have lived back and forth between Australia and Canada, and I was visiting Canada at the time, and I, I don't know if like it had been around, this was about, you know, December 1998, so maybe people were kind of already into it for a little while by then, I didn't really know the kind of cultural zeitgeist at the time. That's mm -hmm. one of those words I freaking love, but I never get a chance to use, so <laughs> we'll highlight that. Um, and everyone else is playing it, so I'm like, well, dude, I've got to get it too. So, you know, mom drove me out to, I think it was Toys R Us, maybe. And we got yeah. the Game Boy, we got Pokemon, and we just did not look back. It was it was purely word of mouth, wasn't it, though? Like, the hype? Because, you know, it wasn't really it was. much internet back then. Yeah, it was completely word of mouth. Although, I think I might have gotten... They had, like, these piece-by-piece... -piece, um, official strategy guides that had a comic at the end i think mm -hmm. like i i saw one of those and i'm like i don't know what this is but it looks pretty cool so i can't remember what happened first whether i heard people talking about it or i read that thing first the best thing about like the earlier gens was all that merchandise and <laughs> oh, the water coloring like art style oh i get so nostalgic about it it's so lovely it is gorgeous i i miss the 90s i really do Mm -hmm. Just to give a little bit of perspective, when you were playing that in 1998, I was a year old. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. You're like, yeah, don't ask me to come on next time. <laughs> <laughs> next I'll talk about, I don't know, Space Invaders or some shit. 
What even is that, man? <laughs> I'm joking. Did, um, do you think it, this series kind of helped you get into game journalism in the sense of like, it was your leaping off point for, for your passion for video games? I had had a passion for gaming kind of before then. You know, I had the Super Nintendo, I had the Sega Genesis, and actually I was a big Sega fan back in the day, man. Sonic was my dude. But um, I, I think this was the first time a single franchise had almost transcended gaming for me. It became the franchise was bigger than just the games, you know. Mario, you love Mario, but you love Mario games. You don't necessarily go nuts over, like, the Mario TV show or something, or the Mario movie, <laughs> which is a great movie. Bob Hoskins uh, really um, <laughs> shined in that movie. <laughs> That's the whole reason he came on this podcast, was just to highlight the, the Mario movie. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my way now. I've done my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the John Leguizamo payroll. Um, Jesus. <laughs> but and it was it was it was kind of cute as well with my Pokemon because it was like this really wholesome. You know, you're a ten year old kid, so I was like drawing all my favorite Pokemon. I was like, whenever I would beat a gym leader, I would write down which Pokemon I was using at the time, kind of like chronicling my own little story. That's kind of cute, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, it's um, it's kind of sad, <laughs> kind of sad, but kind of cute. Oh, I don't know, like you know, all, all my friends, you know, they're they're when they're not playing Pokemon, they're out discovering the world or something. I'm just kind of sit in a sat in a dark room, being like, well, the Flareon was very useful in this occasion. <laughs> Are you canonically calling gamers losers? Is that what's uh going on here? Oh, you know, <laughs> look, I've said more controversial <laughs> things. So, yes. He's like, I don't want do to it. say it, but. <laughs> Y'all know it. I can beat any of you in an arm wrestling match. Just admit it. Dang. Okay. <laughs> Shots fired for, for no reason, I guess. You kind of already answered this, but like you had that social experience of like your friends trading and like, was it because, you know, nowadays you can just if you're stuck on anything, you can just look it up. Did you ever have that stance because like i remember getting stuck in the cave where you have to use flash i had absolutely no fucking idea where to go or what to do did you nah, kind of have that i i was kind of soulless like i needed to have the strategy guides at the time mm. um so i didn't have it wasn't so much of a sense of discovery in so much ah oh, it says go here go here go here yeah. But because I wasn't oversaturated with information on what's good, what's not good, you know, competitive scene and whatnot, it, there was still kind of that sense of discovery, but it was kind of a step-by-step, -step, read the book, do the thing sense. I don't know how to describe it. Like, the way Pokemon plays, like the, like you said, the go here, do this, go here, do this, like, the, the gameplay cycle is very super basic. Do you think going back to it now, it's kind of like, all right, this is a little boring. Or are you still just like, I'm just going to go catch my favorites and do my thing? It, it's it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's boring. Like, if you... Okay, so we'll probably circle back to, like, the mechanics of this game at some point. But mm -hmm. if you take away the flawed mechanics out of it, at its core, it is 
very basic, as you say, but for its time and for its revolutionizing a lot of ways, it is still a very solid game. Like, I, I did a Nuzlocke challenge recently, and mm -hmm. adding that layer of drama and danger to it just kind of made it show that, hey, you can, you can still play this game and still get a kick out of it, and it's not so broken that it it's irredeemable in that sense, I guess. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Like how you said it was revolutionary. Like how was this game revolutionary? Because you probably have a much better idea of that than I do. I mean, so like Game Link Cables had been with the Game Boy for ages. And it's mostly, oh, you can play Tetris with a friend. But the trading aspect just completely blew my mind it blew everyone's mind it really it made each individual pokemon feel like a tangible real creature because you know it's like well if i trade this you know it's gone i can obviously get another one but mm -hmm. they're just know. resources pokemon they're just like things to barter <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a lot to unpack <laughs> I'm sure you could write something about it, man. Oh, dude. I mean, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm so shallow now. I, I bought a Pokemon off eBay <laughs> earlier this what? year. What? Yeah. What I, was I, it? It was Zerud because I missed the um, distribution phase. Oh, okay, okay. And, man, I that sounds so sketchy. I'd be so worried that they just, like, jack your money or something. It's <laughs> my biggest p concern was that it was actually going to be uh, a hacked Pokemon, and that I was going to get locked out of Pokemon Home, and then all of my Pokemon since 2003 just gone like that. Like I have a level of affection for them, which is still kind of sad to be honest. But you know. So what do you mean? You just like you're just super attached to those old Pokemon? Yeah, and it's like. I, 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 I care about them more than people in my real life because they've been around longer. <laughs> Jesus. This is and you're just bringing okay. them forward using like Pokemon Home and, and various trading methods? Yep, yep. I've got every single Pokemon that I've caught since Ruby. They're all there on Home, so I've got like thousands there. Do you bring them out to like newer games to battle or are you just like, no, they're my family, I keep them safe? Nah, man, I don't bring them out to battle because they're they're awful. They are just <laughs> bad movesets, bad IVs, bad natures. Just like it's just a bad vibe. If I brought them online, I would get absolutely destroyed. When I played Pokemon back in the day, like it was a very very simple premise of just like, oh, this one's cute or this looks strong. Like I'll just catch it and put it on my team. And then as I got older, it's like like you said, there's IVs, there's natures, there's all this like very competitiveness to it. Is that what kind of draws you to the series so much? Because like, I don't know, maybe you can explain it a bit better because I don't, I never see that side of Pokemon. I never see that like, oh, I need to get this Pokemon and breed it this way and fight these certain to get the IV. Like, is are the mechanics really that deep, I guess? 
They really are, and at some point, it kind of became a little bit like a job for me. Like, I would kind of obsess over it, and I would try to build a team that, okay, if, if I have, like, at least one or two Pokemon I kind of want to use, even if they're mm -hmm. not that great, I would then have to look at, you know, Smogon and whatnot to figure out how to build a team around them. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my first playthrough will just be with whatever garbage I have at the time. But then after, afterwards, if I'm going to be, like, investing time into competitive battling, then I have to have a team of perfect IVs, you know, perfect EVs, perfect um, egg moves, just, it, it, it takes hours. That does sound like a job, like, that sounds so strenuous. It's, it's really kind of, it's, it's satisfying, but then, you know, you turn the Is, game yeah, off so... and you realize you haven't achieved anything in real life. <laughs> Is it... Is it like a, a sense of therapy? Is it therapeutic? You can sink a whole bunch of hours into it and kind of get this cathartic sense when finally the right one hatches. Mm -hmm. And the later games would introduce mechanics that could, you know, speed up the process. Like, you know, you have bottle caps so you can artificially boost their IVs, or you had mints so you could change the natures and whatnot. But I'm still doing, like, the the, the OG-style breeding and hatching where it's like, you just have to wait until the right one hatches. You're just doing laps around the daycare on your bicycle, kind of staring at the woman to fold her arms, so it's like, she's got an egg for me! Get her! <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> That sounds so painful. My it's... goodness. <laughs> this is what I have instead of, you know, actual hobbies or talents. This is what you do instead of playing World of Warcraft. Like, this is like the Nintendo version of just like a MMO slog. Yeah, no, it really is. It is, it is grinding and it is... It's always going to be in me. I'm always going to find something that I have to do in a game. No matter what the game is. So what is that re reward then, like you said, because there really isn't any in intrinsic sense of value in a... Like, there is no... You can beat the game, but that's really it. Like, that, is it that, just having that perfect team? That's why online has become such an important aspect of the series for me. Because mm -hmm. jumping online, and most of the time, people just use the same Pokemon and they use legendaries, and it just completely undermines the process. But yeah. when you actually get your mechanics that you've worked so hard to kind of implement to actually work, it's really rewarding. What's always kind of boggled my mind about the competitive Pokemon scene, again, I don't know anything about it, but is it kind of like, oh, uh... I, I guess the question really boils down to, is it balanced? Like, can you go in it with, like, a, I don't know, like an Arcanine, and I'd be like, well, I've trained my Raticate to have, like, good IVs and a good nature and good moves. Like, can you really fight almost anything with another Pokemon, regardless of, like, you know, type advantages and stuff like that? Nah, not really. It's funny you went with Raticate, because Raticate is hot garbage, so I love that you went with well, that yeah. one specifically. <laughs> I kind of figured, but, like, you know. I mean, like, if, if, if like, technically there are actual, like, um, tiers lists, so, like, you can only use, 
Like, the proper Smogon system has, you know, overused, so you can only use Pokemon that are considered overused, underused, etc. So there are, like, artificial rules that people have implemented to make the battling balanced. But the actual metagame itself, if you were to remove all of these other aspects, is... You can't win with anything. There are certain Pokemon that you'll find on every team just because they're so pliable and useful, but I'm okay. still actually rolling with a competitive version of the Pokemon I was using in Gen 1. Oh my goodness. So... So, but because I know things change a lot from, like, one Gen to the next, is it exciting to be like, when Gen 9 comes out, it's like, well, things could completely change. See, that is... That <laughs> I, I'm excited when it's a change that I like, whereas... So, you know, I loved Mega Evolution because it gave a new utility to existing Pokemon. It made Beedrill actually kind of competitive, which it yeah. had never been. <laughs> um, I liked the, the Z-moves in um, Sun and Moon. I thought mm -hmm. it was kind of cool to have this one-off super move. But I do not like Dynamaxing competitively. I love it in-game when it's like the gym leaders and it feels like this event. But mm -hmm. in competitive battling, uh, it just does not work for me. Mm -hmm. Did did you like the raid battles, though? I like the raid battles, but um, mostly because I do it offline. I get that one stupid kid who keeps using a Magikarp. And it's like, get away from me, child. You are functionally useless. I don't know why you are here. See, I always get that with the AI. Like, I always get, like, like I'm using my level 100 Polyrath and somebody's using, like you said, a fucking Magikarp. And it's like, <laughs> God, why do, does the AI put me with this? I, I, I think it's intentional to promote people to subscribe to the Nintendo online. It's all, <laughs> it's all a money-making yeah, scheme. Smart. Yeah, God, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I thought of that sooner. Um, it, does it change a lot from even remakes? Like, do you think the competitive scene will change with like uh, the new Diamond and Pearl coming out, or will it, does it just stick to Gen Eight? It will change in so much that they'll introduce some sort of like uh, alternate forms for Dialga and Palkia. I reckon. Which is what they did for um, uh, Groudon and Kyogre, or however you say it. You know, they gave them these, like, souped-up forms. And then they completely, actually, ruined the metagame with uh, Mega Rayquaza. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll introduce some sort of little wrinkles into it. So they'll have, like, some sort of, like... They probably won't have, like, a Gigantamax version, because that is very much a function of the Galar region. But they'll add mm -hmm. some kind of wrinkle that will mix up the metagame a little bit. But for the most part, I think it'll be fairly, fairly um, untouched. Is what's I've talked about this with a few friends. What frustrates me about the Pokemon franchise is, like you said, it was the Mega Evolutions. Now it's Dynamaxing, and it's like it doesn't feel like they're improving upon gameplay. It just feels like they're adding gimmicks that they're gonna remove next gen. What do you I mean, think? That's actually pretty fair. I mean, if you look at what they were adding game to game in the early stages, it was stuff that actually did improve the base uh, mechanics. So, you know, in Gen 2, you have the breeding aspect and um, genders on the Pokemon, which adds like little wrinkles there. 
Then in Gen 3, you add natures. Um, then in Gen 4, you completely change up the physical and special moves so that not every electric type attack is special. You know, you have Thunder Punch, which is now a physical move. And it's like mm -hmm. these actually did improve the gameplay aspects. Then in Gen 5, you had the hidden abilities, which, again, I, I feel like that improved things. It gave Pokemon a completely different play style. And then, yeah, I guess from Gen 6 onward, it just kind of did become like a gimmick introduced rather than something that uh, decisively improved the gameplay. So I think that, that that's a valid criticism, I'd say. Well, I just remember playing, you know, Gen 1 and, and going from Red, Blue, and Yellow and then going to Gen 2 and it's like, whoa, this feels like a huge step up. And because, like I said, I, I skipped, like, pretty much Gen 4 to Gen 8. Like, when I played Gen 8, I was like, whoa, like, it's in 3D. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty, it's cool. And really, the only two big things were the wild area and Dynamax. And right away, I was like, well, Dynamaxing is a gimmick, like, through and through. It's just something to be eye candy. And I really like the wild area, but it's like, it really doesn't feel like any of the formula of Pokemon has changed or really improved from just the basic gameplay stance. Like, I'm really not trying to be that negative about it, but because I, you know, I love this series and I, I still had fun with Sword and Shield, but it, I'm that broken record of that guy who is like, the Pokemon company is the richest company ever. <laughs> like, why aren't they doing more with the with the game series? It's interesting, though. I wonder, had you sort of stuck with it between Gens 4 to 8, I wonder if you would feel the same, or if it's because you had that gap, you expected more from it, maybe. I mean, yeah, that's a honestly a really good point. Do you... I mean... I'm assuming you've played every gen, right? Yep, yep, yep. Do you think that would have been the case? Like, do you think I just had too high of expectations or that I just wasn't well-versed in, like, kind of what I should expect from the series as a whole? I mean, it may be a pessimistic view, but for me, perhaps it came down to diminishing returns. Like, Sun and Moon, I found... like. I, if you're just going to take them on face value, still very good games, but it was the first time I had been kind of disappointed mm. on a, on a, on a case by case basis. So then when sword and shield came out and overall, I'd say they're probably my least favorite games in the series, but I'd already had that kind of feeling of, Oh, uh, well, you know, maybe the game is on the decline. Maybe I'm just not the target demographic anymore. So I kind of had this expectation that, ugh, I'll, I'll enjoy it, but I'm not going to love it. So then when that's exactly what happened, it wasn't too big of a shock to my system. Yeah, it's... I don't know, because I kind of feel this way. Do you kind of feel like as it's going on, it's like, oh, maybe this isn't for me anymore? Or, okay, I'm just going to go back to what I know and love in the older games. No, absolutely. I mean, the only games that I really get hyped for nowadays are games that are targeting my nostalgia specifically. So, you know, Streets of Rage 4, um, the upcoming Ninja Turtles game, Shredder's Revenge. I get hyped yeah. for those. And then, you know, they announce the upcoming uh, 
Pokemon uh, Arceus game. And I'm just kind of like, ugh, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I think I'm just getting old. I'm, I'm getting old. and it's, Well, I, I feel like the thing with the, you know, this company and developers is like, like you said, with Sun and Moon and Sword and Shield, it's like, you're just a bit more cautious and like weathered. Like you've, you know, you've been to war and you, <laughs> you get back and you're like, uh, it's just life now. Like, yeah, the, the magic is a little bit gone in a sense. And I hate saying that. And I don't mean to make this episode like super negative. It's just that Pokemon has, you know, it's been with us our literal, well, for me, like our entire life. And it's just, I want it to be this great thing that I like, you know, it can be, you know, that they have the time, they have the money, the resources. It just kind of feels like they're pushing something out to have something there. And I am kind of of the same way. Like I went back and I love gen two. I I've, I went back to go play crystal and I was like, I'm not having as much fun as I want from this. So I booted up the, um, mystery dungeon remake on the switch and i was like man i'm loving this like i'm having a great time with this um had you played the previous mystery dungeon games uh only the originals so that's why i bought the remake because i was like i know this and i love this so i'm i'm gonna i want to play it again like on modern hardware well i guess you know it's about expectations and whatnot again i mean for for me though when i when i look at pokemon at its peak i think of uh, Poke Tour, Poke Tour 1999, where you know I was lining up at the shopping center to get a Mew. Like you're not really gonna recapture that those feelings of um, being in it, being involved with something that was so electric and so addictive. Mm -hmm. Like if I went to line up at a shopping center to get a Mew now, I think I'd be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "What are you doing here with all these children, sir?" <laughs> Same thing I do every weekend. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Maybe that won't make the final product. <laughs> no, it's in now. It's getting clipped, and I'm putting it on social media, and you're oh, getting canceled. <laughs> oh, well, I had a good run. I got further than I expected. <laughs> um, so let's go through, you know, we've kind of ranted about the series as a whole. Let's go through actual Canto. Uh, let's go over a typical playthrough. Who are you choosing right off the bat? Alright, I am the Bulbasaur guy. Um, You're the Bulbasaur guy, of course. I am. <laughs> like, I have I have merch. I, I'm still getting Bulbasaur merch, so I'm not getting Pokemon merch, but strictly just Bulbasaur merch. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it's funny. The only reason that I went with Bulbasaur... I went with Bulbasaur for two reasons actually the first is that the booklet said it would be easier and for some reason i decided well i want it to be easier so mm -hmm. but the other reason actually is my sister um also got the game and she chose charmander so i'm like oh well i was kind of thinking of charmander but we don't want to get the same thing so i went with bulbasaur kind of as a consolation prize so it mm. could have been very different well a big thing because they say easier, right? Just because he evolves faster, is that right? 
Uh, it's mostly because of the first three gyms. So, you know, yeah. Brock, yeah. And then Misty, and he has a resistance to the electric types of Lieutenant Surge. Yeah, so. man, a big thing about Gen 1, and I know I've, I've been watching a, a, a bunch of video essays on Gen 1 specifically, and a big gripe people have is, is kind of with the balancing of literally the first gym of going to you know you have you pretty much have to pick bulbasaur or squirtle to have an advantage or else the first gym is going to be a huge like obstacle because you can only like catch pikachu and nidoran and bug pokemon but bug pokemon are useless so <laughs> i love i pokemon. personally love bug pokemon and you know they have better uses later on but in gen one woo. yeah i mean and it's funny because you list the other ones like Pikachu and um, Nidoran. These things also, I don't, I don't think in Gen 1, I don't think Brock's Pokemon used any ground type attacks, but it's funny that all of these Pokemon universally have a ground type weakness. Um, and then <laughs> in Gen 3, when they do the remake, it actually, it removes that level of challenge with Charmander because it can learn Metal Claw and then it can basically just one hit KO yeah. Brock's Pokemon with ease. So... I, I like that aspect, though. I like that you had to struggle with Charmander to get a reward in Charizard. And, you know, Charizard was everyone's, mm -hmm. most people's favorite. So it felt like an actual thing you had earned. Like, you had earned your damn Charizard. Do you subscribe to that thing? Because, I again, I remember when Sword and Shield came out, it was that argument of newer games are too easy. Why can't it be, like gen 1 and 2 where it actually felt difficult and not to jump ahead but my kind of thinking of it is like pokemon was never really difficult it was you were just a kid and didn't really understand video games i don't know if you have different thoughts but there is a lot more hand holding now and yeah. it, one of my one of my main gripes is that you can't take two steps without someone interrupting you and being like, oh, hey, oh. have you have you looked at this? It's like, I'm literally looking at it right now. <laughs> it's like, leave me alone. And that and Sword and Shield, it was so frustrating. I remember even the first time playing, like, me and my friend were like, holy fuck, leave me alone. Like, especially Hopman. I <sighs> hate that kid with a burning passion. It's like, please let me walk somewhere and do something without interrupting me. And it's just... But, I mean, like, it's it's funny, actually. It has been kind of that way since Gen 4. Like, the the um, the, the rival character then, he had a tendency to just come in and talk shit, and it's like, I don't care about you. I am going to surpass you in every way. You are an inferior mm -hmm. product. Do not occupy do not occupy my space. But See, in, in the first game, you didn't have that kind of constant interruption. Yeah, my thing with... Uh, the rival was just that I, I wanted to beat Blue or Gary or whatever you call him like he was you know he, he was a dix and Hop is just a complete pushover who uses a Pokemon that you have a type advantage <laughs> against and he's like he's just annoying and it's like god every time you're on screen despite that he has a theme that absolutely slaps <laughs> it is so good I hate any time he is on screen. <laughs> I I will say one thing for Hop, which I do appreciate, though, is that, you know, with, like, the early edgy rivals, like Blue or Silver, 
who I called um, Ass Boy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> um, you would beat them, but then they would still have this sort of superiority complex over you about being better. Whereas okay. with Hop, you beat him, and over time, like he becomes this kind of self-doubting wuss. He, like he he has all of his optimism yeah. stripped away from him just by constantly losing and i really like that aspect like the character overall i don't like but i like that they sort of acknowledged hey you're beating this rival at every turn so he should feel kind of devalued in some way i don't know it felt it the whole thing just felt like like you said they were just holding your hand and kind of babying you a bit more and, and i agree it, it felt like hop does have that character development in a sense, as much as he can get, but... Eh, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, anyway. the, pro the problem is I don't play Pokemon for the story, and yeah, yeah. in the last few games, they've very much highlighted the story, and it's like, that's not why I'm here. Stop talking. I, I guess that's true. I, I guess, like, going back to it... Because when, when I played Gen 8, I guess I initially had the opposite thought. I was like... Yo, why are they not trying with the story? Like, why is it so <laughs> awful? Like, I don't remember it being this bad in earlier games, but going back to Gen 1, it's like, well, there basically just is no story. Like, there yeah. is, it is, you are setting out, go catch every Pokemon, go beat the league, and the Team Rocket stuff is kind of background noise at yeah. times. Like, it, it kind of guides your actions when you go into like the game corner or um Silfco. but other than mm -hmm. that it is all very secondary to the to the goal itself mm -hmm. it to me it, too it just felt like uh god what was the it was like team rumble or team loud or something in oh, the team yell shield. team yell and it's like <laughs> god this is such a terrible dog shit carbon copy of team like it's so dumb i hated it. it um it it felt as though they were there just to continue the tradition of having a team yeah very forced like very much like game freak shoving this up your ass like completely <laughs> as much as harsh as it is um if you're going through Kanto, what is your typical team going to look like if you had to pick six? Um, still the same team that I'm rolling around with competitively. So even even though like half of them are garbage. So I've got a Raichu, um, mm -hmm. which is super squishy. Like it is a one hit KO every time someone sneezes on Raichu. It's, <laughs> it is not good. Um, Alakazam, and mm -hmm. especially in Gen 1 when psychic types are so broken. Yeah. Uh, Vaporeon, uh, Ninetales, Dragonite, and Venusaur. Damn, that's a that's a pretty d stacked team. Yeah, man, I I I, I cheese through it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have Alakazam and Drag Dragonite, you're pretty much like guaranteed, uh, you know, to win anything. I did not realize until like literally just a couple years ago how broken. The balancing issues were in in Kanto. It's crazy. Oh man. Well, I mean, like for one thing, the fact that ghosts were supposed to be a weakness for psychic, but they coded it wrong, 
So it was actually not. Psychic types were not weak to ghost at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, how can you screw that up? You, you can probably explain it better. Like, just talk to the viewer about, like, more of the kind of broken issues. Like, the stuff with, like, psychic and dragon and stuff. Just because, I don't know the technical terms, but... You probably know oh, about it. Like, there are... Well, be beyond the coding issues. So, like, for example, focus energy was coded wrong, so it's supposed to increase your um, critical hit ratio, but they messed up the formula, so I, I can't remember if it does nothing or it actually decreases your critical hit ratio. It, it decreases, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then speed plays a role in critical hits, which is kind of cool. But then if you have, like, a super fast Pokemon that's always critting, um, that's, that's, that's just brutal. Um, dragon types, they have a weakness to dragon, but at the same time, there are no dragon type moves beyond Dragon Rage, which, ha which has a set 40 damage. So it has a weakness <laughs> you can never exploit. Um, and then, uh, one of the most lethal Pokemon is a Dragonite that has Wrap. Oh, yeah. Because those Gen 1 mechanics where those multi-hit moves just stopped the opponent from doing anything, you could actually just sit on your opponent with this trapping move and they couldn't do anything. I remember the first time I played Pokemon Stadium, I was so excited, you know, here are my Pokemon, they're in 3D, I was playing against my sister, it was my Raichu against her Rapidash, she just used Fire Spin the whole time and it's like, I couldn't do shit, it's like, I'm watching my little mouse just burn alive and it's like, no, this is horrible. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, man, even, like, because you can wrap someone and put them to sleep. Oh, yeah. And waking up from sleep, like, costs a move. An extra course. turn, yeah. Yeah. And I, th so I think broken. Sleep Powder had, like, a 100% accuracy at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, like... <laughs> I remember, because, believe it or not, Beedrill is one of my favorite Pokemon. Oh, dear. I like I I like Bug-type Pokemon. <laughs> if you're going back to Gen 1, it's like there's just absolutely no point in using Bug-type. Like, they are so stupidly terrible. <laughs> uh, feels bad, man. <laughs> Although, there is something kind of cool about the fact that, like, in the early game, you struggle with, like, these Bug-type Pokemon. And then, like, as you go on, you get more rare ones. Like you get these um, dragon types that are so legendary and special. And there's only one of them. You know, there's only one Dratini Dragonair Dragonite family, whereas bugs are everywhere. So it kind of, in that sense, the um, gameplay aspect outweighed the competitive aspect. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, part of me thinks that they really didn't think of any competitiveness, like, competitive scene for these games right it, it, it was probably something very tacked on at the end um, well because you could you could fight people like your friends right with the link cable yeah or... yeah yeah i mean that that's true as well because surely they did not know it was going to be such a mega hit mm -hmm. so are you actually rolling yeah. with beedrill in your team or no no <laughs> it was I like, like... When I was a kid, like, yeah, maybe, 
because I was like, oh, cool, bug Pokemon looks kind of scary. I think I remembered it from that episode in the anime where, like, Ash <laughs> gets chased by Beedrills. And I was like, oh, these things are terrifying. I hate bees. But now... So, my main starter is Squirtle. But boo. I don't pick Squirtle because... What do you mean, boo? <laughs> Why boo? Look, you didn't say you Charmander, so we're okay. we're okay. We're okay. We're oh, okay. Uh, I can't pick Squirtle because my favorite Pokemon of all time is Poliwhirl. <laughs> and what? Sorry, that was that was rude. <laughs> Poliwhirl. That that's that that's a that's a rare choice for favorite Pokemon. He's just cute and round, and I don't know. He's, I like him. I got my little Poliwhirl plushie abo above me right now. Uh, I should not eviscerate you your hate? favorite. Why are you hating, man? Well, I mean, in fairness, I mean, Venusaur or Bulbasaur or whatnot was actually not my original favorite. My my first favorite was Vulpix. But then okay. everyone was just like, well, you can't like that. That's girly. And I'm like, oh, Ugh. you know, can't be girly. <laughs> like, we had these, like, established stereotypes as kids. And it's like, oh, I have to choose something that's a little bit cooler, I guess. So, yeah. Um, now I'll yeah, just be so as I, girly as I want, you know? Fuck him. Fuck. <laughs> That's why we're here, baby. <laughs> um, so I would pick Char or, yeah, Charmander because I didn't want two water types on my team. So my team would be Charizard, uh, Polyrath. Uh, a, see, here's a big issue I had when I played when I was younger. Um, I didn't have any friends to play with. <laughs> I didn't oh. have a link cable. So Pokemon you had to trade. So like some of my favorite Pokemon were like Machamp, Golem, and Alakazam. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. literally need to trade to get them. Yeah. So I'd beat the game with, with literally a Machoke, a Kadabra, and a Graveler. <laughs> <laughs> but now, like if I'm choosing my definitive team. So yeah, it would be um, Charizard. Polyrath, Alakazam, uh, Snorlax, Gollum, or Golem, and, um, God, I'm trying to think. I'm going to point out the irony, by the way, that you didn't want to use Blastoise because you didn't want to have two water types, but you'll happily roll with a Polyrath and a Machoke, two fighting types. No, I didn't say Machoke on my team. I said he's one of my favorites. Oh, okay, yeah. I no. said, I said... Charizard, Polyrath, uh, Snorlax, Alakazam, a Golem, and I cannot, for the life of me, think of a sixth. If I'm being honest, maybe, uh, maybe like a Pidgeot. I think, just to have a flying type for like utility. But that's about it. You're you can be the judge. Is that a good team? Alright, so wait, actually let me roll through it again. So I've noticed, wait, wait there's Charizard, Pidgeot, and uh, Polyrath, yeah? Mm -hmm. So half the team is uh, weak to electric. That's already going to be, you know, like, th that's an issue right there, man. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know why you're doing this to me. <laughs> um, good. Like, rock Pokemon, rock Pokemon, especially in Gen 1, are pretty garbage because um, water Pokemon are the most diluted 
Pokemon out there. So pretty much anything has a water type attack. Um, Snorlax, Snorlax is just too easy, man. I mean, I don't know what you're. Uh, you're not. You're not impressing me. Too easy as in how? Well, it's it's bulk. It's bulky. Um, it has. Like, it, it has a deep move pool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's oh, too Oh, so you're saying common. he's just easy mode. Like, you're saying he's just not the... Okay. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm frankly quite disgusted. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I fucking get for inviting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you I'd be the worst guest. I just need to, um, live up to my title. Um... Is that, is that all six of them? Is it? Yeah. Man, now I just feel bad. Don't a lot of people in Gen 1 run with Gengar? Yeah, yeah. Or is like, that just people's favorite? Um, I, I think a lot of people run with Gengar, but I think, if I remember the metagame correctly, I think the top competitive Pokemon were actually Starmie, Exeggutor, um, I think those were like the main two. Maybe Chansey as well. It's it's kind of hard to remember because I didn't really do much uh, Gen One metagame because it was <laughs> such a shitty metagame to be honest. So, <laughs> uh, wasn't Arcanine really popular too? Isn't he like considered a pseudo legendary? The only reason for that is because its Pokemon type is described as the legendary Pokemon. Yeah, and it's like what what it was it was a little puppy before. Now it's legendary because it's a bigger puppy. <laughs> I always, man, that episode of the anime where Ash is riding on like a Rapidash, and it's like, how you do that? <laughs> He's on fire. Like that was always my thing with water or er, fire type Pokemon. How you ride on them? I always think that they would really smell bad because they can never bathe. Oh, that's true. Like, oh, just taking my Charmander into the bath. Oh, he did now. Man, imagine how. Fucking bad a Snorlax. <laughs> that thing ain't getting up to wash ever. I mean, He's I like can. The fat kid in high school who just like walked by you and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I grew up to be Snorlax, so I can't really hang too much shit on his uh, on his constitution. I just Tony sleep does and not eat. shower confirmed. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's why I can't do these podcasts live. <laughs> I'll think of that. I'll be like, Gen 2, we're doing live, Tony. I'm sorry. Either you shower or you can't come. <laughs> so Bulbasaur is your definitive favorite then? Venusaur specifically, but yeah. Okay, okay. So Bulbasaur, mostly I say Bulbasaur for people because, you know, casual people won't necessarily know what Venusaur is. So you just go with Bulbasaur. People know Bulbasaur, so. Yeah. Are you, do you have more uh, affinity with like badass pokemon or the cutesy type pokemon i think so if i were to rank my favorites in gen one it does go sort of venusaur dragonite vulpix vaporeon raichu so most of those are kind of cute i think i kind of get affinity for pokemon if i use them in my playthrough and they kind of stick on your team longer than you expected so, one of my favorite uh, Gen 3 Pokemon is Swellow. And okay. it's, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's the standard shitty bird Pokemon, but it mm -hmm. kind of hung around on my team for long enough that I kind of grew to love it, so. 
Okay, that's fair. Do you do you switch people out of your team, or do you just always go with a flat six and don't just stick with that? Depends. I mean, if it's something that I, I do kind of switch them out and see how they'll go, but eventually something kind of sets in my mind as, oh yeah, I'll keep rolling with this one. Mm -hmm. Let's get into uh, something you brought up, and that's nicknames. Yep. And I'm going to be honest, I never use nicknames, and I feel like to you that is blasphemy. Well, no more blasphemy than your shitty team, but... <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Um. Okay. So, look. Most people don't use nicknames. To be honest, I think it's just like it's such a throwaway feature. But to me, it adds like a level of individuality. And like, I are, will. Are you one of those people who just like you're like, LOL, Kata Sancho, gonna name him ass butt. <laughs> i mean or do you try to... oh my god oh, well, just go ahead <laughs> it depends um like some of them i will like read the pokedex entry and be like oh, okay well i'll just kind of come up with something based on that or something based on what they look at look like some of them though it'll just be whatever i'm thinking at the time like i, I caught a c dot in pokemon ruby and mm -hmm. Ghostbusters 2 was on the TV at the time, and it was the part where um, Janos says, He is Vigo! So I named my C-Dot He is Vigo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has no bearing, but... Um, e even the ones that I intend to trade, they will always have nicknames. I always want to have my stamp or my brand on it. That's awesome. It's also a great, way of, that. It's a great way of marketing as well. Like, I have a friend who's trying to launch a game studio... So every now and then I'll breed a whole bunch of Pokemon, name them after characters from his game, and then send them out there. So um, it's uh, stealth marketing. There are Nario the Vaporeons out there everywhere. <sighs> I. It's funny you say that. Me and my brother, this is so off topic. My, my brother and I got into the competitive scene for the Mario soccer games. Oh, and man. We, we found the community through it because in Mario Strikers Charged, they had a like player of the day. Yeah. And people uh, from the community would name their me after like the website that they used. <laughs> to, like, and eventually my brother and I just saw it so much that we checked out that website and then we like found this whole meta to this game and how to get good at it and this huge community that rallied behind it. I feel like, you know, that's like naming your Pokemon stuff, you know what I mean? To like yeah. help market. That's awesome. Just a real quick tangent about Mario Strikers Charged is <laughs> when, when I was playing online, everyone was using Waluigi. I don't know if that holds yep. up to the tiers yep. list. Every, everyone was just using headers all the time for, with all their passes. Mm -hmm. And everyone was just... The items, like, you would you would foul someone and you wouldn't care about what item they got because getting possession of the ball and then just headering it, uh, heading it a few times and then getting Waluigi's ability up so you could just set a wall and use your um, power strikes or whatever they were called, that was all anyone was doing when I was online. So. <laughs> everyone would... Um use booze as like their teammates and use like the disappear to get through the goalie oh yes to just get like 
easy goals. <laughs> I was doing Man, that with Dry pretty... Bones, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that game. I still <laughs> own my copy of it. Oh, but good memories. Let's do an episode on that next time. I'm down for that. <laughs> um, was the, you know, were you into the anime at the age of 10 while this the game kind of came out? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, the first episode I watched was actually the Charmander episode, so I was kind of going in partway through, but it, it was all just sort of all catering very much into feeding into my um, burgeoning addiction for this franchise. It's like, oh, gotta watch the anime, you know, gotta get the products. And I'm thankful because the anime was actually kind of my entry point into anime overall. Like, I wasn't watching things beforehand, but because of the Pokemon anime, you know, then I would get into Dragon Ball Z, and then I would get into, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho and um, Full Metal Alchemist, and it kind of grew. And I wonder, had I not had Pokemon as an entry point, I don't know if my obsession with anime would be where it is today. Yeah. Tony, I'm just going to let you know you don't get brownie points for saying you like the wrong Full Metal Alchemist, okay? <laughs> Putting me on blast, man. I am. <laughs> I, I think a thing that was so great about the anime, though, was, like, each Pokemon kind of got their little episode, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, well, I, I guess for you, because, like, Bulbasaur was such an uh, imperative part of Ash's team, and, and you know, Poly, Poliwhirl was on with Misty. It's like, there was just something for everyone. I, yeah. Probably, except if you were, like, a fan of Tentacruel, because his episode got cut or something. Oh, then, yeah. Then it sucked for you, but, you know, we like cool Pokemon over here. <laughs> I I looked through the full ban list of episodes, and it wasn't until I looked at that list that I realized the Tentacruel episode was banned. Because, you know, when I was a kid, it was there. It was fine. You know, I watched mm -hmm. it. I didn't watch Electric Soldier Porygon at the time, because that didn't get an English release until much later, obviously. But, um... Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> It was so funny because the episode of the Safari Zone got banned because the dude points a gun at Ash. You miss him catching all those Tauros, and then you it skips ahead to like a few episodes later, and it's like, oh, I'll use my Tauros. It's like, what the fuck? When did you get a Tauros? <laughs> did um, did you hear the uh, Lavender Town, like? <laughs> urban legend when you were younger or was that not till you were like later in life Nah, i didn't hear is this like the one where it makes people like get depressed hearing it yeah it's like it like made kids suicidal back in the day or something because of like the specific tunes of of the theme yeah was... no i i didn't hear about this as a kid but um to go on another tangent i I love how dark the original game was sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, Lavender Town, like, it's... There is nothing kind of childish or sort of accessible about it. Like, you know, you go into the Pokemon Tower and these people are saying, like, I'm here to remember my Clefairy. I can't stop crying. And it's just... Dude. I remember getting to that point when I was younger and it was just like... It was that realization, it's like, wait, my little Pokemon partners can die? 
Like, I just thought they fainted. I thought everything was all good. <laughs> and you're just hit with, like, this very somber wall of, like, oh, damn. <laughs> they were all doing Nuzlocke challenges. That was that was oh how it started. <laughs> you imagine? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, do you think the... I mean, I guess it's not really a, a kind of question, because it kind of has, like, the, the design philosophy of Pokemon is just felt like it's changed throughout the years uh do you agree or disagree it has but not necessarily for the worst so james turner came on board a little while ago to sort of become the head designer of pokemon and i really like a lot of the designs in sword and shield i think it's one of the game's strengths it's it's soundtrack and the way a lot of pokemon are designed and I actually feel as though the low point for designs of Pokemon was in Gen 4. Okay. So, like, you know, you think about how they introduced, like, a whole bunch of evolutions for existing Pokemon. And then they were just kind of like these bigger, clunkier versions of things. Like, I hate the way Togekiss looks. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big on Tangrowth. Uh, Electivire. Okay. I, I, I can rock with Electivire. Electivire looks amazing, but Magmortar, I'm not big on that. It's just, I, I think maybe part of it had to do with the fact that because they had bigger sprites on the DS, they wanted to make them more, um, I don't know, more showy and bombastic, maybe, but... The, the Pokemon in Gen 1 who just had, like, the one, like, they didn't have any evolution, right? It's like, they felt really special. Yeah. And I felt like in Gen 4, when they got those extra evolutions, it's just like, it felt unneeded in a sense. It felt like just a way to kind of shine more light on them. But it's like, them not having an evolution already made them feel special. Well, I mean, come to think of it, as far as the um, Pokemon that didn't have an evolution goes, in the first gen, other than legendaries, like the only ones I can think of that haven't had an evolution since are... Tauros, Lapras, uh, Pinsir. Like, I feel like everything else, they've added either a baby form or an evolved form. So, no, I get Pinsir what you mean. Pinsir got a, uh, a mega, mega evolution. evolution. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so very few. Um, what do you think makes a good, like, a well-designed Pokemon? Because I couldn't describe it if I tried. It's, it's hard because it's so subjective, but I think one thing that it has to have is it has to be, um, well, it has to be marketable, obviously, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not big on the design of Wooloo because I feel like we already did that with Mareep, but Wooloo is yeah. very marketable, you know, people are going to want to buy Wooloo fucking plush toys and socks and shit. Um, but for me, something that is a instantly recognizable as being a Pokemon yeah to juxt juxtapose it with something like digimon like digimon felt so much more um meticulous in a way like it felt more pokemon was just much more simplistic like you could look at a pokemon and it's like there's very few colors there's very few things going on with their design like literally zubat is just a bat radicate is just a rat um pidgey's just a uh, brown pigeon like it it was so simple but it's like they had such a definitive design that 
you know, they who's that Pokemon and just a silhouette of them. Mm. You could guess. Like it was and then you get something like Garbodor or whatever it's called, and you're like, what? <laughs> what is this? I mean, look, a lot of people shit over the designs if they have kind of like, if it's just like an animated item of some kind, so, you know, like Clef Key, it's just a fucking floating keychain or, yeah. you know, Trubbish, it's it's literal garbage, literal garbage. But then, you know, yeah. in Gen 1, you had Execute, it's some fucking eggs, you know? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, we have always had these kind of questionable, dubious designs, but I think out of necessity when you have 800 something you eventually have to uh, just make it happen i am still resolute that they should make a ghost hat pokemon called hattori um my first twinfinite piece i wrote about this oh yep 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 make a sentient ghost hat it's also a play on words because the word hitori in japanese means alone so you know already look this is going places and then you can have like Depending on which town you're in, they'll look different because they're going to haunt different types of hats. Yeah, man. Tony is over here playing 4D chess with Pokemon <laughs> and naming and <laughs> lore. <laughs> and I'm just over here like, I'm going to put three electric type weaknesses on my team. <laughs> Again, this is what I have instead of actual hobbies or talents, man. So don't worry. Like, <laughs> I I'm losing in other areas of life. <laughs> Tony's like, please, someone go on a date with me. It's been years. <laughs> we can talk about Hattori for hours. <laughs> uh, they also get kind of, I don't know if you could call it creative or dumb with naming conventions and like, you know, Ekans is just snake backwards. And what is muck backwards, Tony? <laughs> I believe it is the Swedish word coom. Damn, you beat me. Okay, you got me. <laughs> you know what I wanted you to say, and you, you beat me. <laughs> that's that's more of a late night podcast, I think. Oh, it's eleven thirty p.m. where I am, so we're pretty late night. Broad daylight, man. Broad daylight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Canto. I did, honestly, I did not know this until quite literally yesterday. Because when I do Kanto and, you know, it's Brock, Misty, Lieutenant Surge, I didn't know you can switch it up. I thought you always had to go to Erica next, I think it was. Yep. Um, but apparently you can, like, switch it up and do whichever gyms you want in whatever order in kind of the middle section of the game. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I really did not do like know that. Do you switch it up or do you always do the same thing? I basically always do the same thing. I think about the only ones I'll flip between are Sabrina and Koga. Um, but one of the reasons is that there is a massive level jump. Like, even though you can do them in any order, it's a bit like in the original Legend of Zelda, how you could do the dungeons in any order. But if mm -hmm. you go to like a late game one <laughs> earlier on, you're going to get absolutely wrecked. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was younger and I played it for the first time and, and, you know, you're finally getting to the end point of your journey and you come up from the water when you're surfing and you get back in Palatown and like absolute fucking mind blown. I was just like, it loops <laughs> like, 
what do I do now? What the hell? I mean, that it was, was just no, 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 no. I, I totally agree though, because like with the way the the exploration worked as well is, you know, it loops. But then like the first city you go into, in Viridian City, ends up being the last gym. So it's like you kind of get to yeah. rediscover these areas. So, and you know, because you were younger back then, you're like, oh, I forgot there was a gym in this city. Yeah, and I couldn't get in it before. And then, you know, you walk in the door with. You know, taking those big steps, the big dick swinging. You know, I got this. And then you're hit with Giovanni again, and you're like, "What? <laughs> this dude again?" <laughs> it was just like the ultimate, <laughs> like five-year-old M Night Shyamalan plot twist. So <laughs> it's just it's like again. <laughs> um. Uh, and you know, despite the fact that there's Team Rocket and Giovanni and I'm gonna take over the world and steal all the Pokemon, it's like the story, especially looking back on it, is still so so simple. And we kinda mentioned it earlier that like it really does not spoon feed you. Like Oak kinda just gives you the Pokedex and he says, Hey, I'm gonna go bang your mom. Why don't you go find all the Pokemon in existence? And you're just like, huh? And you go and do your thing. Like it, and that's it. You just go and it, it's not like the, not really like the, the dark souls of like, you know, environmental storytelling and like having stuff you can discover. Really the only lore stuff you can find is about like Mewtwo and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, when you go into the Pokemon mansion and there's all this stuff about when they're trying to experiment on Mew which is all very optional, like you don't have to read any of it, but um, I guess having that sort of really basic level of storyline kind of lets you write yourself in as the protagonist a bit more. I, my thing is I always just have trouble doing that. I'm not a big, like, I do not like silent protagonists. I don't like, like, oh, it, you can be in the game. It's like, I'd rather a definitive character. And, you know, I'm not saying I want Red from Gen 1 of Pokemon to be like Geralt of Rivia or something. Like, I don't want him to be this definitive character. It's just that, like, I just wish there wasn't this uh, people went to forego having a good story just so you can imprint yourself on a character that really can't implement any kind of personality on. Well, I mean, like, Nintendo have done a better job. Um, like, my favorite game of all time is actually Fire Emblem Awakening, and the oh, fact that... Really? Yeah, 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 100%. Um, the fact that Robin has this very defined personality and defined past and whatnot, but you can still kind of imprint yourself on it, on, on the character, because they're so customizable and you can kind of make make them make of them what you will with their classes and whatnot so robin is very much you know their own character but you can still have that kind of sense of um ownership over that character so it doesn't have to be a silent protagonist to do this right so yeah totally agree robin still like what like i get that he is an av or he or she is an avatar character right yeah but like you said, it, it they just don't feel like, uh, you know, they have a personality. They have defined relationships with each character. 
uh, I think the big question is who is your favorite Awakening character? If you were to remove Robin from it, just because my Robin became like this killing machine by the end, he was his only purpose in life was to slay mine enemies. Um, my <laughs> my favorite taking that out of it is actually Cynthia. Uh, she's the daughter of Sumia. Sumia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What do you um, like so much about her? I like okay, so obviously all the characters are very tropey. You know, they have sort of one. Yeah preordained personality trait and they just kind of bounce off that really but in some of her support conversations there's a real like oh there's she's so likable and there's kind of like a sadness in juxtaposing her tragic past with her personality like you know she comes from the same shitty life that you know lucina does but at the same time she doesn't let it control or dominate her um belief system and mm -hmm. The support conversation she has with her father, whoever her father happens to be, um, because of course the conversations are mostly the same with um, the parent characters, but it hits this real kind of um, somber, bittersweet point at the end. And it's just, and I love as well, because you know, obviously between the C, B, A, and S conversations, uh, not S because then that'd be the father and the, and Cynthia getting a relationship. We're not going to go down that route. Um, <laughs> but, like, it kind of grows as the, um, as the, as the relationship does. And that was one of the things that really bugged me about um, Three Houses, actually, is that the only one who was going to get any ass was Byleth. Like, there were no marriages. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I... I'm a bit iffy on the three houses marriage mechanic and like I appreciate that awakening has like that marriage mechanic and it's kind of deep and it really can be implemented into gameplay and like choosing parents and, and deciding stats and stuff like that but I feel like too much on that but at, like at the same time I feel like I can acknowledge that that's a little like gate gatekeeping of me because like i play it for the very strategic um you know gameplay I, I, I'm, I'm not in fire emblem to like develop relationships and marriages and ship characters but but did you use like did you use the marriage for like the eugenics of it like <laughs> getting uh gale force on a male character by virtue of who the mother was or Oh, definitely not my first few playthroughs. Like, if I'm doing like a hardcore, like, like hardest difficulty, then like I'll I'll try to plan out. Yeah, but um, it was it because ugh, I really don't really don't like Fire Emblem Fates because I feel like it took all the aspects from Awakening that I was iffy about and just ran with them. Um, I'm so, I'm so glad that I'm so sad that the Western release didn't get the uh, face stroking. Oh my god, fuck! That's what <laughs> I mean. Just stuff like that. Like, it's I, I don't know. I I I don't know how to describe like my relationship with the marriage mechanic in in three S. I like I agree with you that I wish it was a bit more deeper and and you could decide who your characters married, but. 
Mm. Maybe the thing is, like, I wish it, it just didn't result in, in child units. I'd be fine if you could decide who got married if there just wasn't that plot fuckery of, of child units and time travel and all that jazz. I think that's that's what I mean. Well, I mean, in fairness, I mean, like, in Awakening, it very much made sense since the whole plot is about yes, time yes, travel. Yes. But then, in, in Fates, it was a total throwaway. Yeah. Where it's just like, we we want the same mechanic as we have with Awakening, so we're going to have them in these time portals. And it's like, hmm, really? Yeah. <laughs> you go with that? Okay. But now, uh, now we're going to mark you down for the eventual Awakening episode. Oh, dude, I, I, I could go on a... I, I did go on a tangent, I just realized. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm curious what you thought of our Three Houses episode, to be honest now. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it, because it was one of the early ones I listened to, but um, I have a bit of a... Not a love-hate relationship with Three Houses, but I enjoyed it less than pretty much any other modern Fire Emblem other than maybe uh, Shadows of Valentia. You liked Fates more than Three Houses. I did, I did. My goodness. Have you have you played Classic Fire Emblem? Yes, I have played Classic Fire Emblem. What's your favorite of the classics? Probably Sacred Stones, because it was my first one. Okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair. I don't know if that counts as classic, I mean, like... Oh, well, like... I think anything pre-Awakening is classic. I know, oh, yeah, like, fair. I know people who are like playing genealogy in Thracia are probably like, "Oh, what a fucking idiot!" No, it's not. Like, yeah. But yeah, I, I consider those classic. My my personal favorite is Radiant Dawn. I really like that game, and I had to spend like a hundred dollars to buy it a couple of years ago. So maybe that's why I hold it so near and dear, because those games are hella expensive. Yeah, I really want to. I really want to try those ones, and I'm hopeful that um, now that uh, Nintendo have, you know, they they've finally done a Western release for the uh, first one. I'm kind of hoping that they'll just sort of like trickle them out bit by bit, so I can yeah. finally play all the backlog. Did you Did you play the one that they released of the first one? I, I actually it yep. was the first review I did for Twinfinite. Was it? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Honestly, I I. It was like, you know, it was like a five or six dollar game and it's, you know, not a lot of people were talking, but like, it was such a big deal to me. I was like a Fire Emblem game. And this is my first review for like this big website that I've been at for like a good year. Like, I remember I was talking to like Z about it. I was talking to Andrew about it and like asking all this advice and they're like, Dude, it's just a dinky little Fire Emblem game. And I was like, it's, oh, it's a big no. deal to me. It's a big deal. <laughs> um, unfortunately for me, because I played the DS one first, um, it does feel like a bit of a downgrade because obviously, you know, it's... Oh, yeah. It is uh, archaic. 16 years older. Uh, yeah. Like, and I, I love the fact that only Marth can capture the tower. It's like, <laughs> everyone has to wait until I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> He, um, there's just stupid little things too, like certain classes can't promote and like, mm. um, you know, there's no, um, what is it? There's no weapon triangle. There's no face petting. There's no face petting. Zero <laughs> out of 10 garbage game. <laughs> 
That's that's why I didn't like Fire Emblem Fates because they took it out in the Western release, and that's what I got. <laughs> if they put the face petting in, I would have loved it. Your weeboo heart was broken mm, all the time. <laughs> um, wow, did we ever go off on a tangent there? <laughs> um. I know we already talked about this, but I just want to mention it one more time because the notes I wrote down were kind of funny. Um, and I said, the, the rival mechanic has definitely changed over the years, like like we mentioned earlier. Hop is such an easy pushover in Gen 8. Uh, Gary slash Blue, though, absolute dickhead, get fucked to Gary. He absolutely makes me want to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts so on he- that, sir? I mean, like when when I read that on the notes, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty succinct right there. That's, that says it all. But then I would like to know who is actually your uh, fav- Like, is Blue your favorite rival, or I've see? Here's where the whole the curtain gets taken back. I've only ever beat Gen one, two, and eight. I've played a lot of Gen three, and never beaten it. And other than that, I am in the dark. And so I feel like I only like Blue because, like, it, it was my first game and my first experience. And like I said, Hop is just a complete wanker. So, yeah. <laughs> I like that you use the uh, vernacular appropriate to the region, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think of that. Look, um, Like, as... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Like, as bad as Hop is, like, his predecessor, Hao, is probably worse. Like, Hao is less annoying, but Hao doesn't grow, he doesn't change. Hao is just, Hao is there for reasons that I cannot fathom. Mm-hmm. Like, the only Hao I want to know is how they got him into the game, because he's <laughs> shit. Um, I think my favorite rival was Silver, because I know that Silver is just, like, a edgelord, but... There's something really cool about the fact that your rival is a bad guy. You know, he steals his first Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of cool, to be honest. It, um, because, you know, Gary is more like an antagonist in the sense of, or Blue, sorry, I keep switching it up, in the sense of, like, it's personal, but Silver just kind of feels like this cruel and evil response to the pokemon world that's like even worse than team rocket right like even he's like uh team rocket's a bunch of bitches i can you know i'll take them yeah yeah (laughs) um one of my favorite little weird bits of writing in uh gen one is when professor oak is introducing your rival he's like you've been rivals since you were a baby and I'm thinking, what kind of fucking town are we living in where we've got rivalries between babies? What is this, a what show the hell? anime? <laughs> it's like, damn, like, no wonder, no wonder the system is so fucked where you have 10-year-olds taking animals and capturing them and making them fight each other. Like, there's there's pressure to perform from birth, so. Mm-hmm. This is like a... This is like a My Hero Academia thing where people are just placing too much emphasis on their powers. Exactly, it's, man. It's like people, man. <laughs> What's Blue's quirk? Being a dick? Exactly. Like I said, get <laughs> get fucked, Blue. <laughs> um, it's almost midnight here. God, we gotta start wrapping up. 
Um, yes, wait, so... It's only been a... Well, only. We've been recording for about an hour and a half, and I feel like I feel like we both just want to keep saying more. I know we really love <laughs> those games. Um, where does Kanto rank in your love for Pokemon? All right, if you're just going to go strictly based on, like... Um, familiarity and affection it's it's easily number one mm -hmm. there will never be another time in my life with this franchise i mean short of having my own kids and letting them experience the franchise i'll never have like such a raw feeling of affection as i will for gen one what if you had to rank them like definitive quality oh quality it's it's dead last it's a shithouse <laughs> <laughs> dang okay like, um, like, if if you remove the flawed mechanics, I think it would still rank either third or second last. For what reasons? It's just as you say. It's very basic. It's very milk toast. Um, like even even playing like Let's Go recently, mm -hmm. it feel it feels like a downgrade because it's like okay, we've come from like these more complex storylines and whatnot to just this really basic you know meat and potatoes kind of this is a jrpg have at you it's it's interesting that you mention the remakes do you feel like the remakes really add anything to kanto or is it kind of just like ah they were banking on nostalgic because i'll honestly say i i think fire red and leaf green are fantastic and Part of me really appreciates what they did with with let's go and there was just a few little gameplay things that they added like being able to ride on snorlax's stomach as you walk around or something that was kind of funny and cool but what do you think wait first of all you can ride on snorlax's stomach that's a thing i think so and when you play let's go because like your pokemon like pops out um i don't know i I, th I think this is just your head cannon man <laughs> i'm pretty sure you like hug on to snorlax's stomach as you walk around with him i'll take your word for it i'll take your word for it <laughs> you're the snorlax Give expert your thoughts um, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up on youtube so okay well like i would say that um because gen one was so broken i think that the fire red uh leaf green remakes are great and i think that Again, if I were to have kids, I wouldn't... I, I think having their first experience be Let's Go would be a great idea because that way they get to experience the same kind of first game that you did, but without all of the rigors of it being this broken, flawed game. And although I am salty that they added the really vanilla rival again. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the kid's name. I... I think I think I literally named him like a fuck. <laughs> what? So it's like, oh, a fuck wants to battle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, look, look clever. Are you sure you're 33, Tony? <laughs> Not 33 on the inside, alas. <laughs> um. I I have the maturity and the um, bank account of a 16 year old. <laughs> gonna put you down for the never going to rob um do you think take my bulbasaur any... merch <laughs> that's where it's at baby um, <laughs> do you think there could be any argument of like gen 1 being 
better than Gen 2 because like we discussed, like there were so, so many improvements back in the day. I could never subscribe to the idea that Gen 1 is better than Gen 2. I mean, it was to the point where I even wrote a piece very on in my, uh, very early on in my career with Twinfinite, which was literally called, admit it, Pokemon Red and Blue weren't that great. Um, it got absolutely destroyed by the comment section, but it meant that people were clicking on it, so I didn't really care. <laughs> um, but so like, you know, you're basically admitting that I, I brought you on for the wrong Pokemon games is is basically what you're saying. <laughs> now I see it's like one of those things where like Gen Two not only did it have its own thing, but because Satoru Iwata was able to recode the game in such a way that they had enough space to bring back Kanto. I mean, that's huge. That's, it's it's like, you know, even as early as Gen 2, they've been sort of harping on our love for Gen 1 mm -hmm. to kind of bring in more interest. Like, and they're still doing it, you know? Like, there's all kinds of merchandise for Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. Um, every, every new game, they introduce, like, other regional variants or something or like gigantamax forms of yeah. mostly of gen 1 pokemon because it's like they know that people are still obsessed with gen 1 yeah. i still am so they know what they're doing yeah what would like going far ahead what would the series kind of need to do in your opinion to get better it's it's hard i i don't know and i think they were really bold with Sword and Shield. Like, you know, for the first time, they removed Pokemon. Well, the first time since Gen 3. Um, you know, they removed Pokemon. They removed attacks. They made a real concerted effort to actually rebuild the core mechanics. Mm -hmm. um, what I think I would like to see is... And this isn't, you know, obviously going to help the mainline series, but I want to see, like, a new version of Pokemon Stadium that lets you select what kind of gameplay you want to have based on the generation. So, like, you could have Mega Evolutions, or you could have Dynamaxing, or you could have Z-Moves. So oh, you can kind of, okay. like, so, yeah, bring in the different can, mechanics. Yeah, you can choose, like, oh, I want to play with, like, Gen 3 rules, or Gen 7. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, there are a whole bunch of Pokemon that are stranded right now. Like, my Miss Magius, she's looking at me sadly from Pokemon Home because <laughs> I, I brought her over from uh, Sun and Moon and she's trapped. She got lost in customs. Oh, heartbreaking. Honest to God. Absolutely. Um, Pour one out for Addie Fitch. <laughs> what are... Because you mentioned it earlier. What are, what are, like, the reservations you have with Legends Arceus? I, it, it just, nothing about it has grabbed me other than the fact that they're trying something different. And I think that's what they have to do for this series is they have to try and be bold. Um, whether, whether or not it is counterintuitive, because, you know, I complained very much about Dy Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing, but I feel like what they're doing is the right idea. Maybe they're just not quite doing it right yet. Yeah, it's there's i i just feel like this these developers are not like the pokemon franchise has such a wealth pool of it can go anywhere and do anything like why hasn't there just been again and i know i'm making this sound like why don't they just snap their fingers and do it like that's not what i mean <laughs> but like why hasn't there been a pokemon mmo like where it's just go and 
catch Pokemon and do quests and stuff like that. I know it's fucking impossible to make an MMO, but like, why haven't we seen an attempt or just like branching out in different genres or something like my friend actually sent me a link to this like Pokemon mod where it was go back and play fire red and leaf green with other people like it is on oh yeah i've seen that yeah and it's like why isn't this a thing (laughs) like i get that oh there's uh other people running around the wild area and it's like first of all they're just like ghosts like npcs like they're not real people um and they keep giving me sausages which is kind of weird (laughs) they're it's the subliminal messaging (laughs) (laughs) They're turning um, the freaking frogs gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? You know what I'd actually like to see is a Star Fox MMO. Okay, yeah. Because I, I feel as I feel as though you know, like with the vast expanses of space, and I feel like with Starlink, they showed that hey, this franchise can be more because it, it's been fairly stagnant. You know, Star Fox Zero was deeply flawed i would say there hasn't been a definitively great star fox game since star fox 64 but i don't want to give up on it because i love that franchise and i think an mmo could work you know what would be great for the series a pokemon muso game i would play (laughs) the shit out of that i know muso games like aren't everybody's favorites but i love muso games and i think pokemon would be a perfect fit just like i just body slamming like hundreds of of ratatas as like snorlax or something <laughs> oh man as as long as i get to um go around as a jinx and my only power being very voluptuous and very attractive you know then that's all i want oh my goodness <laughs> isn't jinx a little racist oh man like oh Jeez, like that 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 the Gen One design that was a bad idea. Jinx, there were there were definitely a few Pokemon that like really freaked me out, and Jinx was one of them. Like I said earlier, like Beedrill kind of freaked me out. Jinx, um, Mister Mime, Mister Mime, yeah, that's a good one. It they were just <laughs> like ah, uh, Jinx and Mister Mime were just like pseudo human, right? So it was just like uncanny valley sort of now actually circling back to pokemon designs that's one thing i don't like is um with a lot of the new designs the um the kind of animal pokemon evolve into these more anthropomorphized or how do you say the word versions like Mm -hmm. um people keep lamenting the fact that fire type starters never just stay as you know cute little animals yeah they become these weird human-like things so Mm mm-hmm the um i guess that's true i never you know uh who's who's the no score bunny is that his name yep 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 score bunny then evolves into uh soccer playing rabbit fuck boy <laughs> yeah yeah they they do do that i remember because again like i said i haven't played past gens and i saw the like the two fighting types like bart and ernie um yeah <laughs> and i was just like what the fuck is this like i get that they're supposed to be like hitmonlee and hitmonchan but it was like this feels so weird man i don't like this 
Oh, actually, I wait, I totally missed the boat on making this point, but because you mentioned Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee, one thing that I missed about the Gen 1 games is because there was no breeding, those Pokemon that you can only get a one-off of felt so special and rare. Like, yeah. you know, and the thing is as well, like, how are you going to get a Hitmonlee? Because no one's going to give up, give up their Hitmonlee. You'd have to give up your Hitmonchan for it so you can both complete your Pokedex. But it was just oh man like so, the, the last pokemon i got was actually blastoise because no one wanted to give up a squirtle that's true so who, who, who'd you choose then hitmonchan or hitmonlee uh, i was always a hitmonchan guy oh okay thank you yeah me too, me too. i think i named him like hitmonchanthony <laughs> not like something like bruce lee like you know no man jean claude van damme <laughs> no hitmonchanthony <laughs> these nicknames are wild man yeah. <laughs> like, if I, again, if I ever did one, it, it'd just be like the most like fifth grade humor, like surf farts a lot or something. It's so sad that they've censored so many of the uh, names now. They can do that, but it, it's yeah, like you can't use certain words. Um, and it's that. funny. I I have a feeling you can't actually name a Pokemon Cofagragus, even though it is a Pokemon name. Didn't even know that was a Pokemon. Why would they do that? <laughs> oh man, it's a strange, strange franchise doing strange <laughs> things. Well, I mean, do you have anything else you, you know, you want to say about Kanto Gen One? I mean, like, okay, so obviously I've spent a lot of the podcast shitting on it, but you know, <laughs> I have to give it its due. Like, we love these if you games. were to. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you were to ask me what is my favorite gaming franchise, I think Pokemon would still be number one. And had it not been for Gen 1, you know, that it couldn't have happened, so. That's why you're here, man. That's why I brought you on, because I know, you know, you're the Pokemon guy. I'm the Pokemon guy, as well as the uh, rambling, rule of three, self-indulgent guy. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Again, just like Tony said, despite our remarks and kind of our quips, I still love these games to death. They mean the world to me. Um, you know, Gen One was my first video game ever. I didn't even really dive into my history with it at the start, but like, you know, my brother would come home with a with a friend's Game Boy. And a copy of Pokemon, because his friends would like want him to train their Pokemon for him, like get him to do the dirty work. <clears throat> and you know, I just sit there beside him and watch and be like, "Whoa, what's a Mankey? Like, oh, your Pokemon's evolving. This is super sick. Like, what is going on?" And eventually, you know, he if he got bored or tired, like he'd let me play, and it was those. You know that hour or two of just like pure euphoria of like what is going on like how do i get through this cave um how do i catch this pokemon when does it evolve what moves does it learn and i i'll just i'll always cherish those memories they were you know so i'm i'm sure pokemon is the reason that i'm in love with jrpgs at the end of the day Whew. tony <laughs> where can these people find your work and what you do 
Um, so I think if you go to the FBI's most wanted list, oh I'm currently God. featured. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So let's see. Let's uh, let's do my shit. All right. So obviously I'm available on Twinfinite. Um, I write there every now and then. Um, if you go onto the blog for Anime Lab, which is Funimation's Australian partner, I'm on the blog there. Um, I have been on and off doing stuff for the, uh, Pick and Roll, which is an Australian basketball website. Uh, what else? Uh, I am available on social media. I don't know why I say I'm available as though people are going to like want to hire my services. Um, social media, including uh, Twitch at Wild Tony Appears. So again, you know, Pokemon influence there. Um, I think that's all my shit. I think, I think I've um, played all the hits there. All right. Thank you so much, dude. And, you, and man, we didn't even say your full name, for God's sakes. Tony Cocking, right? Yeah, that's me. Cocking it up since 1988. There you go. Is that your bio? It should be your bio. I just made it up on the spot, man. I'm going to I'm gonna trademark that real fast. <laughs> Tony, thank you for coming on, man. This has been a blast. And, you know, thank you for working with me with the huge time difference. No, no, thank you, man. And like, you know, I was saying this before we went on air, just um, I've, I've had such a blast listening to these episodes and just sort of like rediscovering that magic of gaming. Because, you know, sometimes when you work in this industry, you can become kind of desensitized and you can kind of lose sight of what you actually like about gaming. Whereas, you know, listening to these podcasts, just it makes me hyped to go back and try things again. So love it. Yeah, my, my big thing, like, you know, the best advice you can get as a content creator or somebody who does the things we do is like write and create the stuff that you would want to watch and you like hearing and like my main thing listening to podcasts was always like i always like hearing people's stories that they have for like specific games and and wacky stuff that happened in their life around them or like how it really impacted their you know their college days or their teens or growing up and stuff like that and sometimes i feel like i gotta focus more on that in the on the episodes i gotta stop ranting about the stuff i like and don't like like because um i pretty much said this in every episodes and uh viewers like please just do as i say god damn it like go follow tony he's great he's, his work is amazing like i really just want people to like get into the guests and and who they are because like like I said earlier, like everybody who knows you, Tony, like you're the guy, like you have such a specific atmosphere and personality and everyone, please go check them out. I appreciate that, man. Do you want to be my publicist? <laughs> you should be my publicist for this podcast. <laughs> you're hyping it up so well. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, baby. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Thank you. Kudos again. Pokemon is great. And Venusaur is best. Get out of here. <laughs> if you say one more thing about my team, they're just my little babies, okay? Yeah. Your babies suck, bro. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>